Welcome once again to At Home in Your Hymnal. This is Pastor Clint Poppy. Along with me is Pastor Christopher Morundi. On this program, At Home in Your Hymnal, we take a look at specifically Lutheran Service Book, the book, the hymnal that is used in the vast majority of Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod congregations. We also take a swipe at the theology and practice of worship. We want people to be at home in their hymnal when they go to church. We want people to be at home in their hymnal at home. And we've looked at some big picture kind of things. We've looked at some small picture kind of things. And here on episode seven, we want to take a look at one of the occasional services that we have, and that is the funeral service. The funeral service is on page 278 in Lutheran Service Book, and we're going to look at some of the details of the service as it is laid out for us in a few moments. But before we do that, we want to look at a bigger picture with regard to the reason and purpose behind a funeral. Pastor Murundi, what is going on emotionally, mentally, physically, um, theologically inside a person who is grieving over the loss of a loved one? What would the reason behind what we commonly know as a funeral here in the United States of America. What's going on behind that? Well, a, the human body and soul revolts against the idea of death. And it's not just because we, uh, uh, we don't like dying. <laughs> we want to stick around. Now, certainly for a lot of people, that's probably the case. But deep down embedded into our very created DNA is an abhorrence of death. Why? Because death was not intended. Death is not a part of this creation. Death is not natural. Death is an invader. Death is an imposition upon this creation uh, by our sin. And I think that is why we all rebel against it. Every creature, not just human beings, but every creature rebels against it. And that's why we... Yeah, certainly we miss the person. Certainly we, uh, we, we are very sad that they're not among us any, any longer. But I think the deepest sadness in our very core is this revolt against death. That death is not right. Death should not be here. I mean, otherwise, you ask, why, why does Jesus weep at the tomb of Lazarus? Well, Jesus is going to raise the guy in, in minutes but he weeps because uh, he sees face to face the very penalty that our sin has wrought, the very um, terror and scourge that has invaded the creation that he himself <laughs> brought into being as the word. Um, death is not our friend. Death is an enemy. Death is an enemy. Now, for a Christian, yes, death is a passage from death to life. That death is how we get to heaven now, but it's still the enemy. And I think we still, even if we're not Christian, deep down, we rebel against it. We revolt against it. 
I think that's something that Christians often get confused as well. They uh, think that just because they're Christians, now mm-hmm. death has become a friend. Yes. And that could not be farther from the truth. It's still the enemy. Still the enemy and always will be the enemy, but a defeated yes. enemy in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, uh, you, you said several things there that I want to I unpack a couple of them. Um, death is not of the natural order. Uh, it is of the order that we have now in a fallen world, but our God is a God of life, yes. not a God of death, and he created everything, including people, Adam and Eve, to live forever. Mm-hmm. If uh, sin had not come into the world, Adam and Eve would still be alive. Yep. Isn't that a wild yeah. and uh, astounding <laughs> yep. thing to think about? But uh, God's word is clear. Now that sin has come into the world, the wages of sin is death. death. That is true, that is reality, that is a present reality for all people for all time. But the second half of that passage is a present reality for Christians. The wages of sin is is death, but the gift of God is eternal salvation in Christ Jesus our Lord. When Christians come into God's house for a funeral, they're are certain expectations. And a Christian coming into God's house has an expectation to hear the word of God in its truth and purity, to have law and gospel rightly divided. We've talked about these things already in the program. But the purpose specifically behind a funeral service in a Christian congregation, and we're going to be talking about in a Lutheran Mm -hmm. Christian congregation, congregation. So I want you to I want you to address this from two different perspectives, mm-hmm. Pastor. One is from the perspective of the person who has died. Mm-hmm. And the other is from the perspective of the family and friends that are left behind. Mm-hmm. The we are not Gnostics. Now I'll need to unpack that phrase there. Uh, we are not Gnostics. A, a Gnostic, and there are plenty of them around today. In fact, you might be a Gnostic, uh, dear listener. A Gnostic believes that the body is evil and the spirit or soul is good. And therefore, death is a release, a, uh, um, a, a declaration of freedom from the body, from the shackles of the body. And therefore, the body, it's evil, it's, it's crude matter, doesn't matter. We are not Gnostics as Christians. We are very much concerned with the body, with the body that God created, the very body that he's going to raise again on the last day. And so a Christian funeral is about properly caring for and commending that body to God and commending that person's soul as well. But by the, the, the moment that person dies, the soul's with, he- with God in heaven. I mean, there's no amount of prayer or anything's going to change anything. Um, certainly we commend the person's soul to God as well, but that's really what we do in uh, the accommodation of the dying is we commend the person uh, body and soul, but especially their soul to, to God and entrust in, them into his hands. Uh, the funeral is we as the church doing our duty toward that person's body and uh, uh, praying, uh, give it praying, singing, commending the body to the ground and to the Lord in preparation for the last day. So it is, It people say funerals are just for the living, not the dead. Well, kind of that's true, and we'll get to the living part here in a second, but it's not entirely true because we do have a responsibility to care for 
and commend the body of our loved one, of our brother or sister in Christ to the Lord. Now, for the people who are there, for the living, the funeral is then the proclamation of victory. It is the true comfort, the only comfort that can really comfort, the comfort of Jesus Christ and his victory over the grave. We, we as Christians are to sanctify everything with prayer. And that's what we do here. We gather together to be comforted, to hear God's word applied to our loved one and their death and, and, and to comfort us that we will see them again, that they will rise again to new life. I assume we'll talk about funeral preaching at some point in this program, but that's why funeral preaching, um, I think, misses the mark if it doesn't say anything about the person. On the other hand, funeral preaching misses the mark if it says all about the person and nothing about Jesus. We got to strike the balance. We'll talk about that. So, later so we're on. going from one ditch to the other, yes, there, yeah. rather than properly distinguishing that. Uh, Pastor, you you commented about the uh, proper care um, of the body mm-hmm. of the person who uh, is deceased, and we have a uh, we have a growing move mm-hmm. in uh, America. We have a growing move in the Christian Church, uh, and we see it as well in oh, the yes. Lutheran Church, Missouri yep. Synod, where. Um, a person dies, and we we believe, teach, and confess that immediately that a person, a believer dies, his soul is with the Lord in heaven. The body stays here on earth. We have a growing movement, and I don't think I don't know that people necessarily do this on purpose, but it is happening nonetheless. That the soul being with the Lord in heaven is everything, mm-hmm. and that the body that is left behind is a nothing. Yes. Why is that a poor witness? Why is that a dangerous thing with regard to the Christian faith? This surprises people when I tell them that, but the Bible isn't really concerned with talking about where your loved one is right now. <laughs> it simply tell not now when I say that, don't get take this the wrong way. When I say it's not concerned, what I mean is it's it's not really concerned with telling us details. We simply know our loved one is with the Lord. That's what we know. And God doesn't make a big deal no, out of he that No, he doesn't. State. He doesn't. He just says, person's with the Lord. And that's our confidence. What the Bible is much, 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 much more interested in talking about is what's going to happen on the last day. Where that body we lay into the ground is reunited with the soul, which is with Jesus right now, and will rise again to live in the new heavens, new earth. The Bible is, it has infinitely more to say about that reality that is to come on the last day than it does about where your loved one is right now though like i said don't take me the wrong way here uh the jesus is very concerned about where your loved one is right now and your loved one is with jesus by grace through faith by grace through faith we just don't know much about what that existence is like we know a lot more about what's going to come on the last day so for me, for me, pastor, it actually took, man, was it college or even seminary for me to actually finally realize uh, this, this very truth? Because our culture and even our Christian culture is so saturated with, with focusing on where our loved one is right now and forgetting about the resurrection of the dead. Um, and uh, Dr. Gibbs at the St. Louis Seminary has really taken it upon himself, kind of a personal crusade, to try and get the church to think about the last day and the resurrection of the body more because we're, we spend so much time talking about uh, simply 
being with Jesus in heaven, you know, you know, the cartoon strips on the clouds, stringing a harp, that sort of thing. And that's just uh, that's not what the Bible wants to focus on, because at, and once again, don't take this the wrong way. This is kind of shocking to people to hear this um, when you are in heaven before the last day, your victory is still not complete. You're with Jesus. You're enjoying the very bliss of heaven, but your body's still on the ground. God still has more to do. And the last day is coming where your salvation will be full and complete. We're told in Revelation that the saints are under the altar. And what are they saying? How How long? long? How long? How long? They're still yearning for the last day, just like you and me. They're not yearning in the midst of sin, right? They're delivered from sin. They're in Jesus' bosom. It's, It's wonderful, but they're still waiting too. They're still waiting. To, it's it's still not complete until the last day. And I think one of the dangers then for thinking of or treating the body as a nothing is to completely eliminate large sections of the scripture <laughs> yes. uh, and and either remove them completely, like somebody dies and goes to heaven and that's the end of the story. There is no resurrection. Or you open yourself to all kinds of wild, crazy teachings mm-hmm. with regard to millennialism or mm-hmm. post-millennialism mm-hmm. or dispensational millennialism and uh, the whole Left Behind series and all these movies and books and things that are out there when God's word is very clear and it is very simple. Yep. When a believer dies, immediately their soul goes to heaven and their body is here on earth. Mm-hmm. Now, we're going to talk about what we do with that body in the funeral service in a little bit. But the body is here on earth. And on the last day, Jesus will correct, mm-hmm. right, uh, this separation of body and soul. Because we are not soul people. Nope. We are not uh, soulless bodies like a zombie. Yep. We are body and soul people together. And on the last day, bodies and souls will reunite. And in my flesh, as Job yep. says Job in says, Job yep. 19, with my own eyes, even after worms have eaten my body, in my own flesh, I will see the Lord. Oh, how my heart yearns within me. Well, maybe your heart is yearning within you at uh, this point in the program as well. We need to take a short break. This is at home in your hymnal. Don't change that dial. We'll be right back. You are listening to KNNALP 95.7 FM, Lincoln, Nebraska. Welcome back to At Home in Your Hymnal, Pastor Clint Poppy, Pastor Christopher Morundi. We are privileged to be pastors at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church here in Lincoln, Nebraska. And on this episode, episode 7 of At Home in Your Hymnal, we're talking about the funeral service in segment or the part one that we just uh, had or you just listened to. We talked about funerals in general, the uh, purpose of a funeral for the individual who has passed away, the purpose of the funeral for the family, and uh, hearing a proclamation of that hope that we have in Jesus Christ. I want to talk specifically now about the funeral service that is in Lutheran Service Book, uh, page 278 in LSB, if you have your uh, uh, funeral Uh, If you have your hymnal there with you, I encourage you to open it up and follow along. Uh, Pastor, before we look at the details on the page, uh, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but this is the first official hymnal in the history of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod 
that has an actual funeral service in it. Really? I did not know that. Yes. Uh, since I, I, was a pa- I became a pastor right after this came out, so I went to seminary right after this came out, so I, all I knew was this service So as a pastor. There, there is no funeral service in Lutheran worship. There is no funeral service in the Lutheran hymnal. There was a burial for the dead service in Lutheran Book of Worship that uh, was used in many ELCA congregations and a handful of Missouri Synod congregations. That's the first time. And uh, we took some of that Mm -hmm. and uh, some some rich history and tradition. Mm -hmm. And so now, instead of the pastor having to make it up (laughs) every, every time there's a funeral, we have an actual uh, occasional service. We have a liturgy. We have a pattern. We have an outline. And it's in every book in it's, the pew. Yep. It's in yep. every book in the pew. And quite frankly, uh, I've been to a lot of funerals in a lot of different denomination churches. And um, I think we got it right. Yes. I think we got it right. So, page 278 Funeral Service, Lutheran Book of Worship. A hymn or psalm may be sung or spoken. This is before the invocation. Pastor, what kind of things happen before the actual service yeah. begins in many churches? You've got experience yep. in congregations in Iowa. Now you've got experience here in Nebraska. We know that there are a lot of regional, mm-hmm. uh, cultural kind of things that happen. What are some of the things that happen yeah. before we get to this point? Well, it, there's usually a procession of some sort, and it depends on here at Good Shepherd, we do our procession before the opening hymn. And we simply have the organist play play some special mu- mu- music, and then we process in. Uh, I think, if I remember correctly, the practice in Iowa was uh, we came in during the opening hymn. Same sort of thing, not too much of a difference there. Um, uh, we, But the procession is an important part. It's not 100% necessary. Certainly the casket can be right there at the beginning if, if we so choose, but... Typically, there's a procession, and the procession, uh, if you have a processional cross, you have that carried in, uh, the clergy, then the casket, and then the family after that. And they all get seated either during that opening hymn or before the opening hymn, and then we then we proceed with the service. And a, a procession is good Christian practice and uh, and allows everyone to, to stand and pay their respects as the as as the person comes into the sanctuary, as they did in their life, right? there, There's a lot of mirroring of that. And the casket is always placed with a, of a, depending on, <laughs> one of my churches was too small, you couldn't do it this way. But typically, you sit it facing the altar. So the head is toward the altar. Uh, just what, as and pers- what's the yeah. what's the theological yeah. significance? Because just, when people just hear it, this, uh, it's going to blow their yeah. minds. Just as you were in life. Just as you were in life, you are a hearer of the word. You face the altar during the service so that your casket faces the altar. If there's a pastor, the death of a pastor in his funeral, uh, he is put the other way around because his task during his life was to preach the word to you, to face you and bring you God's word. And so the same way in death, same way in death. Pretty cool. Uh, there are a lot of symbolism that comes into into funeral practice. Um, here at Good Shepherd, and, and this was also the case, I, I don't think I've ever done a funeral a different way, though uh, certainly the right, the right provides for that. Um, usually the pall, 
The pall is a liturgical garment for the for the so, so that is for P-A-L-L, the P-A-L-L. not P A U L. Yes. We're not talking about a man named <laughs> yeah. Paul. Yep. We're talking about a funeral pall. It, keep keep going. It's a white liturgical garment essentially for the casket, and it's a white robe that covers the gar- that covers the casket exactly as we are covered with the robe of Christ's righteousness. Same symbolism as the vestments that a pastor wears. Um, it covers over our sin, and especially a coffin is an a symbol of death, right? And so we cover it up with the white robe, symbolizing Christ's righteousness. Okay, that, and don't don't talk any more about that because I want to I want to save a little okay. bit of that okay. for when we get a little bit further in the okay. liturgy. So so we have the we have the cross, we have the procession, we have the pastors, we have the casket covered with the pall, we have the family. When the people stand, Pastor, mm-hmm. are they standing in reverence for the cross, or are they standing out of respect and reverence for their loved one that is deceased? I think there's a little bit of both. Uh, I think especially for the cross. I mean, every time the cross processes and we stand for that. So, so certainly the focus is on Jesus, but that's kind of the dual focus of this day. And, and I mentioned that earlier, is that when you're there for a funeral, uh, in a sense, it's just like every time you go to church. The focus is on Jesus. But the church doesn't ignore the fact that this is no ordinary service. We're, there's a reason why we're here. We're here because this loved one, this person, has passed away, has died in the faith. And so, yes, we also uh, are giving them respect as well by standing. The uh, honor and respect for the body, the, the pall covering over the casket, um, these are things that are missed when there is no body. Mm -hmm. And so some cultures have the tradition of having a burial before we get to the service, Mm -hmm. uh, whether that be a private burial or uh, something that is separated by time. You have the burial right away, and then you have the funeral service later. Not saying that one way is 100% right and another way is 100% wrong, but these are some things that are missed when there is no body for whatever reason. Yeah, it kind of seems odd. <laughs> uh, it seems almost a little bit Gnostic. Yes. Yep. And so uh, we we want to take great care that we don't separate that uh, body and soul imagery that the good Lord has given us. So uh, we get in, uh, there may or may not be an opening hymn, and then right off the bat is the invocation uh, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Those words from Matthew nineteen or Matthew twenty-eight, verse nineteen. Um, why the invocation, Pastor? Well, it, well, we do it because uh, this is a service, <laughs> and that's, that's this is what Christians okay, don't, do. Okay, don't don't skip over that because yeah. Yeah. because we have an invocation yep. at the beginning yep. of every worship service. Yeah, and, and, and this service, service will end with a benediction, same way as any other worship service. Yeah, you're right. That's not an insignificant point. Um, that we we always begin by invoking the name, not to somehow say, "Okay, Jesus, time to come," um, but we we say, "This is we are gathered here in this name, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the, the the Triune name." But there's more to it in this particular context. We are this service is soaked in the waters of baptism. Uh, a Certainly, the Lord's Supper is mentioned. Certainly, the power of the word is mentioned. That's true. That's in this service as well. But really, if you want to say what drives this funeral service, it's baptism. 
the theology of baptism. And we'll see it right away. And where do we re first receive the sign of the Holy Cross? In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in baptism. And the symmetry of a Christian's life to me is incredible. Uh, that uh, a Christian is baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, the Lord's Prayer is given to that person when they are, when they are baptized. Um, and then to me, it's just incredible that we get to here, get to the service, baptismal uh, name once again. We say the Lord's Prayer with that casket right there. Then we go out to the cemetery. We put our hand on the casket just as 80, 90 years ago, a pastor put his hand on that baby's head and prayed the Lord's Prayer. Uh, and maybe just as the pastor, maybe a few days before that, put his hand on that person's head and prayed the Lord's Prayer for the committal. I'm mean, not committal for the accommodation of the dying. So there's such a symmetry to the Christian life. And this service, it just brings that all out. It's beautiful. And uh, holy baptism is not us offering our obedience and our prayer and our praise to God. God is the one acting in holy baptism. Mm -hmm. God is the one delivering Good Friday and Easter, delivering the deliverance to the people. And this service brings that out very clearly. Right off the bat, after the invocation, comes a remembrance of baptism. And in this remembrance of baptism, we, we uh, have a responsive reading from Romans chapter 6. And as a part of that responsive reading, many churches have the tradition or the custom of placing the pall over the casket during these words. Mm -hmm. Pastor, you want to you wanna work with me? And uh, uh, I'll start out, and you want to do the response? Yes. yes. In holy baptism, Clint was clothed with the robe of Christ's righteousness that covered all his sin. St. Paul says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. I see the looks on people's faces when we have a funeral here at Good Shepherd. And I see three distinctive expressions. And again, you can't read somebody's heart by the expression on their face, but uh, sometimes it's a clue. I see three specific reactions to these words. One is kind of like confusion. Yeah. What, what, <laughs> what's, what's going on here? What's yeah. going on? Why is this? One is a look of indignation. Mm -hmm. It's like, you Lutherans, <laughs> can't we have a funeral in peace? Right off the bat, you got to cram this baptism stuff yep. down my throat. <laughs> and then the third reaction is a, a peace, a, a comfort, a contentment that I can see on the people's faces. Pastor, why is this part of the service designed to bring that comfort and that peace? Well, where, where is our Christian hope anchored? It's in Christ and his gifts, specifically in holy baptism. The most important death that you suffer is the death in baptism. And that makes the final death, when that comes, your physical death, that means that that death is just going to be uh, a passage into life eternal. That's the same way uh, my, my illustration is the Israelites in the wilderness. 
the big crossing of the water was the Red Sea, okay, with Pharaoh's chariots behind him. And then 40 years later, yeah, it was still a miracle, uh, but it was a much smaller body of water that they crossed to get into the promised land. Uh, but it was both water. And so uh, in the Red Sea, we crossed into uh, the wilderness of this world uh, with God uh, to be kind of forged into a, into a Christian people. And then uh, when the time fully comes, we cross the Jordan into the promised land. Here in, uh, in God's word, and there is power in God's word, Romans 6, we are reminded that we have nothing to fear uh, because we've already died. And God's word very, very clearly teaches us that we are connected to the death and resurrection of Jesus. Almost, almost in a, <coughs> don't, duh, don't you know? Yep. And this, right off the bat, puts the focus not on the casket, not on the individual, not on the person's good name, good works, good reputation, but on the bloody death and glorious resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's where the focus needs to be in every service, mm -hmm. but especially in a funeral. We need to take a short break. This is At Home in Your Hymnal. We'll be back. Don't change that dial. at noon on KNNA. Welcome back once again to At Home in Your Hymnal. Pastor Poppy, Pastor Marundi, we are taking a look on this episode, episode 7 of At Home in Your Hymnal, at the funeral service, the occasional service that's in our hymnal, Lutheran Service Book, on page 278, um, with some thoughts also when you go to a funeral, so you're at home in your hymnal, so that you're uh, better able to receive the gifts of God that are there in His Word. And also, uh, we haven't really talked about this much yet, and uh, maybe we'll have a future program completely dedicated to this topic, but how to plan your own mm -hmm. funeral service that would be a, a God-pleasing service and also one that would be a great witness to the folks who are in attendance, because you'll be in heaven. You won't care. Um, <laughs> Pastor, yeah. we... Uh, we in our last segment we looked at the invocation we looked at the remembrance of baptism that responsive reading from Romans 6 uh, generally uh, either reminding us of the funeral pall or the funeral pall is placed on at that time after that is an introit or a psalm or you can't have the entrance hymn at that particular point in time I'm going to come back to that in a little bit then we have the Kyrie Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy. Um, the Kyrie is a regular feature in the divine service. Mm -hmm. Pastor, 
Why do we have a Kyrie at all? And why is the Kyrie included in a funeral service? When people encounter Jesus with various ills and troubles and problems, the words that were quite often on their lips were these words, Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. And uh, to have mercy then um, can mean a whole bunch of different things. It can mean for someone who's sick. It can mean uh, health. For someone who is oppressed, it can mean freedom. Uh, For someone who is mourning, it can mean comfort. It can mean for someone who is dying, it can mean life. And that life could be right now or it could be eternal life. Lord, have mercy is really kind of a catch-all prayer for every desire, every need that we have. And we cry out usually at the beginning of a service or in, in our uh, daily office, uh, daily offices right before uh, the, the rest of the prayers as kind of a, an all-encompassing request. What do we need? We need mercy. And specifically at a funeral service, what do we need? We need mercy as in comfort. We need mercy as in victory over death. Pastor, can a non-Christian understand the kind of mercy that we're talking about? No, no, no. I mean, a Chris, uh, secular, if I want to use that term, mercy is uh, is something that's just, you know, uh, I suppose being nice to people. <laughs> or shortening um, the prison stay. Yeah, that sort of or thing. Or getting yep. a suspended yep. sentence, that yep. kind of a thing. Yep, but for, for a Christian... Uh, mercy is eternal life, ultimately. Now, it's other things as well, uh, but uh, ultimately, it's, ultimately it's eternal life. Only a Christian who knows that the wages of sin is death mm-hmm. and that he deserves nothing but death and the grave and eternal separation from God by crying out in mercy, don't give me what I mm-hmm. deserve. Give me what I need. And that is why this is such a tremendous prayer anytime but especially at a time when people are grieving when they come into God's house. Now, immediately after that uh, Kyrie, where we cry out, Lord, have mercy, Christ, have mercy, comes the salutation and the collect of the day. And, Pastor, I want to read that collect like... uh, and I'll insert my own name like I did before, but I want I want you to explain to us the the biblical imagery that is in this particular collect and why this is such an appropriate collect for a funeral service. Let us pray. O God of grace and mercy, we give thanks for your loving kindness showed to Clint and to all your servants who, having finished their course in faith, now rest from their labors. Grant that we also may be faithful unto death and receive the crown of eternal life. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. 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 Pastor, what comes to mind with regard to that calling? Well, it has that twofold focus that we've been kind of talking about this whole, uh, this whole program. First sentence is about the person who has died. And what do we do? Well, we don't pray that they'll get to heaven. We and give, we certainly don't pray to them. Yeah, we don't pray to them, but we pray about them. And what do we pray about them? We give thanks. And we don't give thanks that they were such great people. What do we give thanks for? We give thanks for your loving kindness shown to that person, all your servants, all the the grace, the love, the mercy that God showed to them. And once again, that, that should be a focus in preaching. In a, in a funeral, 
should be the focus throughout throughout the day, throughout the entire process of a Christian funeral. And who do we give thanks for? Those who finish their course in faith. Now we this is uh, not once saved, always saved. This is this is someone who died in the faith, not someone who was baptized and then left the faith. Uh, but still has their name in the church directory. This is someone who finished their course in faith and now rests from their labors. They are at rest, and rest is one of the beautiful pictures of heaven that we are given in Scripture. Then we turn to us, those of us here. Grant that we, and, and notice this this prayer doesn't necessarily talk about give us comfort. We'll, talk, we'll have that later on, but here it says it's an exhortation to the people who are there. We're praying that we too would be like the, this person in the casket, faithful unto death, receiving the crown of eternal life. That's that we too would receive, would have what they have. So we're thanking God for his faithfulness to the departed brother or sister in Christ. And we are asking God to continue to keep us who are still alive Faithful to him and faithful to his promises. Is that the twofold uh, part that we're yes, looking at yes, here? Yes, exactly. And I think that is good to keep keep in mind that, that both and tension throughout the service. And I think that's good to keep in mind when we get to the next part of the worship service, which is the scripture readings. Now, we already skipped over the, uh, the introit or psalm that... Uh, we always have a, a psalm or an introit uh, early on in the service. And then the liturgy uh, allows for an Old Testament reading, psalm or gradual, epistle or second reading, a verse, holy gospel reading. That, that pattern or that flow sounds an awful lot like the divine service on Sunday morning, <laughs> yes, Pastor. Why do we have scripture readings at all in a funeral service? And why does the pattern or the structure of these scripture readings mirror what we do on Sunday morning? Yeah, that we sanctify everything with the word of God and with prayer. And that, that's really what we're doing here. We're sanctifying uh, this this day, this uh uh, this morning, this this time of gathering together uh, with the Word of God and with prayer. And, they, and every time Christians gather together in public worship, we should be hearing Scripture read. And uh, does it have to be three readings? I suppose not. Uh, but we kind of follow that pattern set on Sunday morning in that we hear from God's Word to His Old Testament people, and then we hear of... Uh, the words of the apostles writing to us, and then we hear the very words of Jesus. And that's the pattern we do every Sunday morning, uh, and uh, that's very appropriate that we do so here again. Why words from the Bible? I mean, I've been to, I've been to a lot of funerals and uh, in Christian churches mm-hmm. where they read poetry. <laughs> they have inspirational readings from uh, novels or great thinkers or philosophers, um, maybe song lyrics, uh, maybe a, a eulogy of some kind at this particular part in the service, or simply reading the obituary, the accomplishments that the person has done through the life. Why read from the Bible? Let God set the tone. Let God be the one to speak. I mean, who else 
would we want to have speak to us in this time of mourning and grief, but God himself, have him proclaim his words of comfort designed and given for us for just like times like this. I mean, the, the entire Bible, in a sense, is about death and death coming into the world and the promise of a conqueror over death. Um, that's that's really what the whole Bible is about. And where the Bible, the rubber meets the road is right here, right here and right now in, in the midst of a funeral, in the midst of grief, uh, in, when someone is approaching death or thinking about death. That's where the Bible finds its greatest use for a person is when it is comforting and consoling those who are facing death. And only the Bible has any kind of power yes, yeah. to to actually bring comfort and peace that the people need at this particular time. Pastor, we've got a couple of minutes left in this segment. You know, we talked about this twofold um, acknowledging and giving thanks for the individual who's having uh, whose funeral it is, and also words of encouragement, exhortation, and comfort for the family and friends that are left behind. How can those twofold things be kept in mind when the scripture readings are selected for a particular funeral? The, the Christian, as we select readings, should be looking for texts that... Now, certainly all of scripture... Uh, brings comfort. All of Scripture is about Christ. So, in a sense, there's no bad text, but there's certainly some texts that are more comforting, more applicable uh, than others. And so, we should be thinking about texts that uh, speak of the hope of the resurrection, should think about texts that are giving comfort to people who are dying or those who mourn, and there are plenty of those texts out there. Uh, typically, I would say, you know, the uh, uh, certainly the law needs to be proclaimed in a sermon, in, in a sermon and in the text of a funeral, uh, but really the gospel should predominate perhaps even more than other, other worship services. I don't, you don't want to take that too far and, and completely leave the law out of it, but uh, certainly you want texts that are bathed in gospel, that are, that are clearly and definitively preaching God's holy gospel to his people to comfort. You have to remember this is a specific instant. There is a casket there in the front of the church. There's a specific context here, and we keep that in mind for these texts. And if the casket is there, we have an object lesson yes. of the law, the wages of sin yep. is death. If the casket is not there, well, we still have the feeling and the pain and the hurt because our loved one is gone. So the, at least the effects of the law are there, and uh, when the pastor is preaching to properly distinguish law and gospel, that doesn't change for a funeral. Nope. Uh, that's there for every service, and uh, we want to talk a little bit more about that when we come back, but we need to take a short break. This is At Home in Your Hymnal, Episode 7. We're looking at the funeral service. We'll be back for one more segment. Don't change that dial. You are listening to KNNALP 95.7 FM, Lincoln, Nebraska. Welcome back to At Home in Your Hymnal. This is Pastor Clint Poppy. Along with me today is the Reverend Christopher Morundi. Christopher we are looking at the funeral service in Lutheran Service Book. That's on page 278, if you'd like a reference or like to follow along. The... Um, 
part of the service that we've been working for and working up to. We got to the readings, and we wanted to talk a little bit about the preaching of the word for a funeral. Um, we uh, we took a short break, but the break ended up being a lot longer than we expected <laughs> due to some technical difficulties. But we are back, and uh, I want to begin this segment with a. Uh, Wonderful, wonderful Old Testament reading. This is from the prophet Isaiah. This is oftentimes chosen as a uh, one of the three scripture readings for a funeral service. It's also the Old Testament reading for Easter. Mm-hmm. Isaiah 25, beginning at verse 6. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food, full of marrow, of aged wine, well-refined. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, and the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. That's Isaiah 25, verses 6 through 9. Pastor, um, a couple of thoughts with regard to that passage on why that is the Old Testament reading for Easter, Mm -hmm. why that is so appropriate for a funeral service for a child of God. Yeah, it, it's a beautiful, uh, one of the more remarkable and amazing pictures of the new heavens and the new earth that we have in the Bible. We we talked earlier on our program about how Christians and the world tend to focus on just the in-between time. Uh, we call High it... High in the sky when I die. Yeah, yeah. We, we kind of put the generic name heaven on it. And... This is not a picture of that in-between time. This is a very real, physical, there's food. (laughs) This is why that's one of my favorite uh, uh, pictures of heaven, because it's a banquet. Uh, Uh, Pastor Morandi has a hollow leg, in case uh, you didn't know that. In heaven, heaven, it won't matter whether I got a hollow leg or not. Just eat and eat. So it's a very physical picture of heaven. It's not just floating up in the clouds, uh, dancing around, playing a harp. This is a feast, a banquet. The hills are running with wine. It's just an amazingly rich and vivid picture of the new heavens, the new earth. This is what Jesus won for us. This is the wedding feast of the Lamb and his kingdom. This is the uh, this, this is the feast which we get a foretaste of every time we come to the Lord's table. This is the new heavens, the new earth in all of its splendor, all of its glory. And there'll be no more death there. Death will be swallowed up. The veil that has covered all people will be destroyed. Um, That's the victory of Jesus. It's amazing to me how many times God describes heaven, uh, God describes this uh, new life, the new heavens and the new earth, um, after the uh, second coming of Christ, how he describes this in negative terms. Mm -hmm. And... uh, What I mean by that is we know what we know by living in this world, this sin-filled, fallen world. And God, when he describes the eternal presence of the believer with God forever and ever, amen, he describes it in negative terms. No more tears, Mm -hmm. no more sorrow, 
No more pain. No more suffering. The old order of things has passed away. No more death. No. In that Isaiah 25 passage, Pastor, um, Prophet Isaiah, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, talks about the shroud mm-hmm. that covers all peoples. Mm-hmm. Um, what is it, and why is that significant to keep in mind? Yeah, it's the, the shroud is death. The shroud is death, and it's a pall over all of creation. It's it's a, a the imagery that the scripture uses is so rich. Uh, the the shroud it's darkness, and when Jesus comes, he says, "I am the light of the world." He shines the light in the darkness, and he drives that darkness away. So so you you can kind of think of the idea of a blanket covering this earth and just smothering us, holding us down, uh, making it so it's hard to breathe, uh, it's darkness, all of those things. It's a very vivid image for this is what our world is like um, under the thrall of death. And this is what we all face. Mm-hmm. Every one of us will die. That's in our last segment. We talked about how the uh, casket in the church yep. is a uh, is an object lesson. Yes. And it's uh, not only the uh, human physical remains of the loved one, but it's also a reminder, a great object lesson for us that one day that'll be us in the box. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's nothing we can do about it. And thanks be to God, there's nothing we need to do about it yep. because Christ has done it all. Mm-hmm. When uh, we talked about the readings, and, and it's very important, the selection of the readings, that these readings are not just some generic kind of scripture passage, but scripture readings that put our focus on Christ, scripture readings that give us this comfort in the peace that surpasses all understanding, that point us to Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Pastor, I want to talk a little bit about preaching Mm -hmm. and uh, the, um, you know, I I think we have a crisis of preaching in American Christianity. We have a crisis of preaching in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. And uh, I think for the most part, when it comes to funerals, this is one area where we get things, we get things right. And uh, yet at the same time, people have different expectations with regard to Mm -hmm. preaching. Mm -hmm. Now, if you go to your average run-of-the-mill Protestant church funeral, the bulk of the funeral service will be about the individual. Mm -hmm. You may have one or more family and friends make their way to the podium or to the pulpit, Mm -hmm. and uh, they will share memories and reminisces, Mm -hmm. maybe read a poem. Uh, This is oftentimes called a eulogy. And the Lutheran Church does not do eulogies. Uh, sometimes this can be a, a pretty traumatic thing when families are planning for a funeral uh, yes, it can be. Uh, because, uh, by golly, somebody wants to say something about Uncle George and uh, the pastor says no. Mm-hmm. Uh, pastor, is this just being uh, authoritative and mean and evil instead of loving people? Or is there something bigger behind the uh, rules, uh, for lack of a better word, uh, the bad taste or the bad form mm-hmm. with regard to not having a eulogy at a Lutheran funeral. Yeah, I, there there is reason to it. And uh, I, I can think of three reasons. There are probably more. Number one is uh, <laughs> the pastor has more control over what's being said. Uh, you know, it, you've never... I, and 
people have heard horror stories. Maybe maybe you listener have been at a pl- at a funeral where there where there are eulogies and uh, it completely destroys any comfort that maybe have may have been in the service. Uh, it might be vulgar, could be uh, could be obscene. You know, all the all this sort of sort of uh, uh, terrible stuff can creep in. Uh, at, at during the time of eulogy, so that would be number one: is that that uh, the pastor is trying to protect people <laughs> from from some pretty bad stuff. Plus, a eulogy time uh, can just take forever, and people complain about church services all the length of church services. Well, this one way to do it: get rid of eulogies. Um, number two uh, is a deeper theological issue about the office of the ministry. Who who has been put? into the office to proclaim God's word at, at the time of a funeral or at any time uh, the, the church is gathered together to receive God's word and receive his sacraments. And, and it is the called and ordained servant of the word. It's his task to bring God's word into that context. Now, everyone else certainly is, is surely invited to talk with one another and fellowship with one another before and after the service, but uh, it's his job to deliver the goods at the, at the funeral. And I, I would say the third reason, and maybe it's connected to the other two, the delivery of Christ. Christ and him crucified should be the forefront, the very front and center of the service. And, and certainly a preacher, a Lutheran preacher can tell, tell the family no eulogies and then he can do his own eulogy, right? I mean, that, uh, that certainly can happen. But a good, good Lutheran preaching at a funeral is going to bring Christ front and center. Not ignoring the person, not ignoring why we're all happen to be here on that day, but the focus and the driving force of what he preaches and everything of that day, and our service points us that way, is Christ. I've been to many funerals, and I'm sure our listeners have been to many funerals as well. Maybe you watched them on TV, a funeral for a celebrity, a movie star, famous athlete, whatever. And uh, you have this endless line of people Mm -hmm. up to the podium, and then you're done, and you go home. And you feel worse yes. <laughs> than when you started. You're yep. reminded what a great guy, what a great gal this is. And now mm-hmm. they're gone. And uh, that void, that emptiness is uh, is indescribable. Yep. I was uh, recently to a funeral. And uh, after the funeral, which should be a time of rejoicing and laughing and fellowshipping at the meal, everybody was completely distraught weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. I saw it firsthand. And as I thought back, there was absolutely nothing in that service. And that service was in a Lutheran church, Missouri Synod congregation. Mm -hmm. There was absolutely nothing in that service, including the music, Mm -hmm. that brought our attention to Christ and comfort for a grieving family or for the fact that that shroud of death covers over all people. Pastor, when you are preaching a funeral service and you talked about delivering the goods, Mm -hmm. what do you mean by that? Yeah, the family needs to be comforted with the sure and certain hope of the resurrection of the dead and life everlasting. The family needs to be told that your loved one is with Jesus right now and you will see them again. You will see them again, that they are going to be raised up with all believers in Christ to live before him in his kingdom forever. Uh, the gospel I always should predominate, but 
in a funeral sermon, I, you can probably I, you can take gospel predomination, double it. <laughs> um, as we said in the last segment, the law is there right in front of people. Now, now certainly, I think it's appropriate for a pastor to point out that the person in the casket's a sinner. Um, probably not the best to to uh, go into detail. Yeah, not to elaborate. <laughs> yes, on that. yeah, yeah. But it, it's certainly it's certainly important for the pastor to say, yes, this person is a sinner. That's why we're here. Um, but then the gospel, the gospel, the gospel, Jesus, his death, his resurrection. That's why Jesus did it. <laughs> it's for times like this. It's for times when we're gathering at church with a casket in front of us. That's why Jesus came into this world, suffered, died, rose again. Now, we're not talking about a pastor never mentioning the individual oh, by name, not. not sharing maybe some instances like uh, where the person sat in church yeah, yeah. or how the person hungered for the means mm-hmm. of grace. We're not talking about completely no. uh, omitting any reference to the deceased person, no. are we? No, of course not. Hey, what, I, what I've noticed is kind of interesting, and, and there are different ways to go about this. What I've noticed is, is you, Pastor, you, you preach the text and then you bring the person into it. Uh, the way I, I typically preach a funeral sermon is I start out with the person kind of as the illustration uh, to get us into the text and then move into it. So there, there are different ways of going about it. But, the, the well, it's just like any time you preach. Any time you preach, you have the text and you have the people. And why are the people here on a Thursday morning? Well, they're here. They're not just here because we have a regular service. No, they're here because of their, it's a funeral. And to ignore that is to – that's not preaching. That's not preaching it to ignore the people that you're preaching to <laughs> and what their needs and their concerns are, which are a, on on other days on a Sunday morning. You might have to kind of guess, OK, well, there are tons of people. They've all got different situations. So you have to try and do your best to hit them all at a funeral. You know what they're going through, at least, you know, in broad terms. And so, you know exactly what they need to hear. This is what people should expect mm-hmm. from their preacher. This is what preachers should expect their hearers to want need and crave and as we come back at another episode to continue our discussion about the funeral service now would be a good time to be reminded that the wages of sin is death it's reality for all of us but the free gift of god is jesus christ our lord forgiveness full and free is yours we have nothing to fear not even death itself. This is Pastor Clint Poppy for Pastor Christopher Morundi. Thank you for tuning in to At Home in Your Hymnal. We'll see you next time.